Welcome to the Red Dirt Nation podcast. My name's Warren Crank and I'm here with Michael Crutcher. You're going to be introduced to him shortly. But Michael is the founder of a company called 55Coms and you can check it out on the internet, 55comscoms.com.au and they're a company that helps with strategic communications for a new media world. But Michael, if you could just introduce yourself to those who are listening in. Thanks, Warren. It's a privilege to be here today on the podcast. So thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, I'm uh, a Brisbane guy uh, for most of my life, but have, have lived in uh, North Queensland as well and travelled a fair bit through my uh, professional life as well. So uh, yeah, while uh, most of my years have been here in Brisbane, I, I certainly have always had a, a, a real fondness for regional Queensland in particular and, um, and some other great parts of the world. And we're going to be talking a bit about that journey in a while. I want to just paint a picture for where we are now. We're in the can bar of the North Devils Footy Club. You might hear someone mowing in the background. It's a beautiful Brisbane morning. The temperatures are quite pleasant, actually, overcast day. But we're overlooking the fields of the North's Footy Club. And uh, this is a club that's had a long connection with Michael and his family. He'll tell us about that shortly. But... uh, this is where our connection personally was formed. I'm chaplain here at the footy club and Michael has some other roles. But Michael, just talk about your history here and what this ground means to you. Well, this is the first time I've been in the can bar, Warren, for a conversation that could be recorded, I must say. Most of my conversations in the can bar have been varied over the years. But yeah, this club, I guess I'm a fourth generation devil supporter. My, um, my great-grandfather, grandparents... Um, and I've been coming here since I can remember as a little kid. It was Sunday afternoon, Bishop Park home game. We were here at Bishop Park, and uh, my uncles and aunties would be here as well, and um, it was always just um, something our family followed, and you know, it's, a, it's a club that I've always been passionate about, I guess, since I was little, and even though um, things have changed over the years with the advent of the National Rugby League competition, this is still a... A wonderful club in some of the names that have been through here. Clive Churchill was our captain coach one year, 1959. Uh, the Cameron Smiths, uh, the Cooper Cronks and Billy Slaters and others. It's uh, But they're just some of the names. There's been so many great characters and you have to love sport for the great level of that it is. I mean, sport, I love sport, so many different sports. It brings people together. It's a leveller. You chase uh, team goals together and in the end, teamwork gets you there. And this club, like a lot of sporting clubs around the nation, really want to nurture um, great communication, help people grow into adults and help adults uh, really flourish in whatever they're doing in life. And North Footy Club, like a lot of other clubs, uh, have a real heart for young Australians and helping them mature and become great citizens um, of this great country in which we live. Now, Michael, you've had a long and distinguished career in journalism, uh, the Courier Mail, was one of those big roles for you. What steered you towards journalism? Because that's not uh, something that everyone thinks about. What shaped you for that particular role? That's a good question. Now, I, it was the only job I ever wanted to do. Um, and I wanted to do it from probably the time I was 10 years old, I guess. Uh, we always had papers around our house. We had papers in the morning and the afternoon when there are afternoon papers. And I just love reading newspapers and I guess I just love stories. Um, I was okay at English, so I thought, you know, this might be an interesting job. I thought if I've got to work for 40 years, I probably want to do something that I find interesting myself. Uh, I I didn't want to be 
doing something that I didn't find interesting. So, yeah, I started out as a cadet journalist at the local newspapers here, uh, the Northside Chronicle, which, bless its heart, doesn't exist anymore. And uh, then I went to Townsville, I worked at the Townsville Bulletin. I came back to Brisbane and I worked at Australian Associated Press for a while uh, and went to the Courier Mail from there. But I was a sports writer for about a decade, so I covered sport, spent about six of those years covering cricket. So I travelled a lot um, covering the Australian cricket team, so I'd spend a lot of time at home uh, home summers and away covering tours there. So I, I was fortunate that I saw a lot of interesting stuff and then while I was in, I love sport, I was in sport by accident. I always wanted to do something in the general news area. That was my real passion. And um, I left sports writing in 2006 and became chief of staff at the Courier Mail. I did that for a couple of years. Then I spent a year as our investigations editor and I ran a, a fabulous team of four. They were a great team. And then in 2010, I became editor of the paper. So I was editor of the Courier Mail, our newspaper, website, iPad up, etc. Uh, for about three and a half years, and I finished in papers in about uh, 2013. And you were a relatively young man when you had that senior role with the Courier Mail. There might be people listening who are about that age, 35-ish, I think you were, and you know, are in a job that has a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility. What did you learn, sort of, in the thick of um, such an important role as that? Time goes fast. <laughs> Time goes very fast. It was. Uh, I always liked uh, to be busy. I, I like to be busy, and I don't think you understand until you finish a job like that sometimes how intense it is. I certainly didn't. And when I sort of stopped doing the job, and all of a sudden I went from a hundred k's an hour on the highway to you know. S- stationary on the side of the road didn't you sort of look back and you you, you realize it yeah it was quite intense and wasn't a job you could do for a long time the demands of it they're 24 7 demands um uh, and given our our modern world these days there's always a story breaking somewhere so yeah i, I look back on it fondly i probably was lucky i was 35 because i you know i, I had plenty of energy um we had our third child, my wife Ainsley and I, when I was editor, little baby boy then. Uh, so, yeah, that it was a crazy time, but um, at the time I wouldn't change at all. I was privileged to do that job and got an insight into some of the, the characters about this country. Um, but in the end, we were doing a job for readers. It wasn't about us, and that's what good journalists can't do. They can't make jobs about themselves. It has to be about your reader and your audience keep them at the forefront of your mind and that's what guides you I find so journalists don't have a good name in many places and some of that is very well deserved and media has themselves to blame for that but there's also some wonderful journalists around who do very good things for society and I guess my aim was always keep the reader first and if you do that you can do good things. So journalism obviously is a profession with a lot of challenges and um, and you've got to be true to the audience as well as true to you know your principles, I guess, as someone reporting and reporting well. Now, we're in a city situation now. You were once living in Townsville, which is a long way. So what was the difference between maybe journalism in a city context compared to in a rural and remote setting? That's a great question, Warren, that one. And it was something that I really had no idea about life outside of the city I'd grown up in until I went to Townsville aged 
oh, I think I was 21 when I moved there. So it was a fascinating insight into the fact that cities and towns are different. And they've each got their own character, their own, I guess, culture in a broader way. And so for me, one of those really valuable things was to learn about Townsville, what drove Townsville and its people, and getting some sort of understanding of that. I mean, I wasn't a long-term person there, but then I started to think more about, well, other places had their own personality as well. I mean, I spent time in Cairns. It was very different to Townsville. Uh, and I spent time in other places. And and the pride in those regions that are away from capital cities in particular, like real pride in the community, no matter the size of the town um, or the city. So... Uh, trying to get a handle on that was something that I, I guess st- held me in good stead when I became editor of the Korea Mail because Queensland, it was a collection of these towns and cities that brought so much to the state in their own way. It wasn't just about Brisbane and southeast Queensland. It, the state's unique. It's got its own differences, but they bring us all together in the end. And that's one of the marvellous things about Australia. And one of the things we hope to maintain, I guess, as a country is that respect and uh, just great communication between city and country because it's a, it's a big brown land and, um, and we're all in this together. So, uh, and journalism, uh, like Michael is talking about, really reflects that. Well, you moved on from that journalism role and you founded 55 Comms in 2013. Why did you embark on that journey? Because uh, I had no idea what running a business was about. <laughs> it's uh, it's hard to know the challenges when you uh, don't even uh, think about them. It all sounds great. I, I guess I had for a while wanted to have a crack at my own business. I, I just, I liked the thought of the challenge and to see, to be able to back myself. 12 months in, I thought, what the heck am I doing here? But it was just me at that time. I was working out of uh, an office at home, trying to keep my costs as low as possible. And, and then the business steadily built from there. Um, I think the thing about business is it's a lot like life. It comes down to your personal relationships, it comes down to people you know, how you get on with those people. And you have the privilege of doing business for them, which, you know, I'm that's a big thing for me how do we satisfy our clients we're fortunate in that we're not a big organization we're boutique and that means we can be choosy with our work and that's important to me i don't want to have our business working for things that we don't have a heart in and so that's been a, even though we've grown over the last few years and it's got a bit hectic at times we've still been able to stay true to the I guess the, the reasons why the business began and we're going to talk about that soon because it's a very important topic, the idea of communication in a new media world. So we're going to talk about that in a tick. But the name is intriguing, 55 comms. Give us a, a bit of an insight into why you chose that name. Yeah, 55, that's, uh, that, that's a tribute to my great-grandfather, Jack Tracy, who um, was born in the late 1880s and... Um, was quite the character when he was about 13 years old he stowed away to the Boer War um, because he thought that sounded like a fantastic adventure his uh, dad realized that he was on a ship 
heading over to South Africa, um, which was probably going to dock at Fremantle on the way there. So his father made a, a dash at the turn of the century to try to get to Fremantle, but didn't get there in time. So my great-grandfather spent a few years kicking around, we think, in circuses in South Africa. He was too young to, uh, of course, uh, join his country in combat at the Boer War. He came back to Australia after about five years, and he spent two years on Thursday Island uh, repelling the uh, Russian invasion, of course, which there never was one, but that's what he did, and then became a police officer. And Warren, when um, the volunteers were called for the First World War, he was at the front of the queue. So he received... uh, service number 55 out of about 320,000 service numbers. He was part of the 9th Battalion that uh, landed at Gallipoli on the first uh, Anzac morning in um, April uh, 20, uh, 1915. He got wounded three times at Gallipoli and discharged because of his wounds. But I was starting a business and I was a bit nervous about starting a business and my wife Ainsley said, why don't you call it 55? Because whatever you're doing, you know what? Your granddad, your great granddad did it a lot tougher than you ever will. So that's a tribute to him, a great idea from my wife. Uh, So that's a 55 number. Very, very cool story. Now, you've been in media a long time and we talked about newspapers. I remember my dad reading the newspaper on the weekend. He got it during the week too, I'm sure. But we're in a very different age now with very different pressures and a lot of people who are listening have either lived through a lot of that era or perhaps they're a bit younger and they see that, hey, the, the, the media world has changed and they're, they're on the ride and really enjoying it. How do you help people position for the new situation when it comes to the world that we live in? Yeah, it's uh, the challenge that everyone faces and I guess... For me, as editor of the Courier-Mail, which was roughly 160 years old when I became editor, I was in a situation where I'd never had more readers as a an editor of the Courier-Mail, but probably never, you know, in real terms, had less revenue coming in because there used to be a time where if you wanted to get a job, buy a car, buy a house, you had to buy the newspaper. Then, of course, in the early part of this century, that all moved online, and so did the 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 rivers of gold, as they were called, the classified advertising dollars went with them. And that's what funded journalism in many ways. So it's changed. So we've got a situation now where we've never consumed more news and information as audiences because we've got so many ways we can do it. We don't need to watch the 6pm news at night necessarily because we sort of know what's happening. Whereas the 6pm TV news was what you watch to catch up on your day. It's changed drastically. People have trained, changed with it. The big change with that, Warren, is that the power now belongs to the consumer. Growing up, you know, in Brisbane as a kid in sort of the 80s, we had, you know, maybe four or five TV stations. You had to watch what was on there. Uh, You had a newspaper. Um, Now, the power rests with you. You can choose to watch what you want when you want to watch rather than be told what to do. And so this company helps people realise the new world in which we live and navigate through it depending on what their needs are, I suppose, from from a customer's perspective. So such an interesting line of work, which obviously there's a thread running through Michael's career, uh, but um, he's launched out on, on a brave business venture. Seems to be going pretty well. Now, you're a man of uh, many sides, Michael, and one of those is that you have a Christian faith, which has been nurtured by the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I haven't sort of had any pre-chats with Michael, so we're going to be hearing this together. Is that something that was in your family, or how did you uh, come to align, really, with the Roman Catholic Church and the Christian faith in general? 
Yeah, Warren, it was in my family um, for generations before. So I was raised in a Catholic household and um, went to a, a Catholic school from primary school and at high school. So it was sort of something I grew up where it was just there and you went to Mass on the weekend because your parents took you there. And I guess my faith journey over the years has evolved from sort of it was always there to it's just part of life to making conscious choices yourself for it to be part of your life. And here I am now with my three boys taking into Mass on a Sunday and they're probably thinking, I don't want to go. But that I guess it's been it's been a constant in my life and in different ways as I went through you know my uh, teenage late teenage years through the 20s but um, it's been a a much stronger connection again I guess when my family came along and uh, it's something that I I guess is a a constant in my life and and a Matthew Hayden um, a a great cricketer who I had the the good fortune of covering Matthew's a, uh, a practicing Catholic and was often asked you're one of the most ferocious sledges in cricket, yet you bless yourself whenever you get 100. You're a hypocrite. And Matt would always look at that and go, you know, well, there's already one St. Matthew in the church and I aren't going to be the second one. So don't expect me to, you know, be the, the, the you know, the, the lily white guy. And I guess that there's a part of me in that the, the values of, of Christianity have always been a, a, a big driver for me. As a mainstream newspaper editor, a metro editor, religion in that situation was never, you know, at the forefront of what we did as, as media. But every Easter and every Christmas, we would do editorials and we would, you know, have, you know, have a, a good discussion about where Christianity was in religion. And I would always say that no matter where you come from, uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ are pretty hard to argue with. You can come from any walk of life, but the teachings of Jesus are pretty fundamentally sound. And you know, that wider debate about um, where religion is in a modern world, it's a personal choice for me. It's very important to me. I've seen some wonderful things done by people who uh, have great faith. And, um, yeah, it's something that will keep evolving for me as the years go on. Now, you uh, work with the Archbishop here in Brisbane and have a bit of a role with him. Just uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've had the good fortune of working with the Catholic Archdiocese of Brisbane um, for, I don't know, maybe five or six years, Warren. Uh, And as part of that, I I work uh, with the Archbishop of Brisbane, Mark Coleridge, who I I find an extraordinary person and uh, a very interesting person and it hasn't been an easy few years for the church with a lot of the the media coverage and that's media coverage that's deserved in terms of you know many scandals that have been through the church and the many broken people who have come from that so i've often worked closely with the archbishop just on how the archdiocese of brisbane responds to that and tells its story and part of that is in this media world we discussed in this world where people have access to so many things the consumer has great power and the consumer knows that and that's changed attitudes into how people are willing to have opinions on things and that's fine um so there are very strong opinions and well there might be so working with the archbishop on how we as an archdiocese address that how we uh, respond uh, properly and with the compassion that 
needs to be. So he's a fascinating guy, speaks goodness knows how many languages, um, but age 72 has a remarkable amount of energy. Um, but at the heart of what he does is, of course, the fact that he's a leader of that diocese and that's a, uh, he never goes away from that. And one of his favourite uh, phrases to meditate upon is, Jesus often surprises but never disappoints. So the Archbishop returns to that uh, little sentence often in his life and ponders it given all the challenges that, um, that he's had to face. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about this great nation of ours now um, because uh, it often surprises us and it's an it's a, um, amazing place that we get the privilege of living in. Where have you been in Australia, Michael, that has really blown you away? Well, that's a great question. There's so many places, um, especially through our own state. Uh, and I've had the good fortune to travel around quite widely in um, Australia. My only place that I haven't been to that I really want to is Darwin. I need to cross that off my list. I'd love to go there. But I, I probably, there, there are parts of the southern parts of the nation along the Great Ocean Road, even down through um, around Lake Crackenback outside of Canberra and through the snow fields there um, that I find, I guess, quite memorable because, hey, it's Brisbane. I've lived in town, so it's hot most of the time. But to go to those places where it can be cold and demanding, it's just, it's a bit of a refresher. So um, I'm not talking about Lake Crackenback and those areas during the snow either. I'm talking about some of the beautiful periods of the autumns and springs there when, when it's, uh, it's a lovely part of the world to be in. So probably those places. And we've just turned into autumn. So a shout out to all those people who are listening in the colder parts of Australia. You're about to enjoy a, a really nice winter. Well, this is the Red Dirt Nation podcast. My name's Warren Crank, and we've been talking to Michael Crutcher, who is the founder of 55 Comms, uh, as well as lots of other things that we've already talked about in this little yarn that we've had together. I always finish off by asking the people I interview if there's one life lesson that you'd like to pass on to the people who are listening, what would it be? And this is Michael's opportunity to answer it. Oh, how many lessons have I learned over the years, Warren, and still learning, not... Uh not a quick learner probably the one that's always resonated for me is the value of hard work working hard um and when you you work hard you know you, you things can happen for you when whatever walk whatever walk of life that that is in whatever your goals are but also of course the value in treating people as you find them you know i I'm, i've had the great fortune as a journalist to take phone calls from prime ministers and to have uh, conversations with you know battlers on on street corners and those conversations probably stick with me the most you know just the the great diversity here in this country the ability to connect with people of all different types i think that to me often say to my boys everyone's got a story to tell listen to their story and you'll learn something that you don't expect to learn by hearing someone's story so i guess that's always a big thing for me the chance to just have a chat to someone however that might be um, because your life's normally enriched in whatever way well we've had the real privilege of listening to the story of michael crutcher at least parts of it i thank you for tuning in and hopefully we'll catch up somewhere soon down the track see you later